The Circle. Produced by Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. This is tribal sovereignty. It's our children's future. It's what our ancestors and our elders fought for. It's what we continue to fight for today. So that our people may live. This is The Circle, brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. I am Ray Rowland, Community Engagement Coordinator, alongside Brandon Ekafee, Communications Director for the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. And again, this is The Circle. Welcome to the show. If you're joining us for the first time, we'll be here twice a week bringing you news, updates, and all the information from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Yoyate Health Center. Last week, we had Amanda Hill on the show our new nurse and midwife for women's health at Oyate Health Center. And if you have any questions for Amanda or if you need to make an appointment, call OHC Oyate Health Center at 605-355-2500. Something else we talked about last week that we want to get a little more in depth in um, is the monthly report from Oyate Health Center, giving us a rundown of our vaccination efforts, revenue, and PRC, that's Purchase Referred Care in our efforts to further improve the overall, you know, services at OHC. So Brandon, kind of tell us what is that meeting? Like how often does it happen? What do they discuss there? Give us an idea of what takes place during those meetings. Once a month, the uh, mini Luzaha, we chose on the advisory committee meets in Rapid City to just update um, community stakeholders, tribal leaders, um, provide feedback to each other on the status of the Oyate Health Center, the progress of the efforts to improve health care in Rapid City for tribal citizens living in Pennington County. But really, I mean, for anyone who, who wants to use the facility, um, had some good news this month. So, you know, some breaking news, I guess, that it's not out there yet, but, you know, we get the opportunity to tell everyone about it now. Yeah, and one thing, again, that is really prevalent, especially after the rally, is COVID-19 and our vaccination efforts and our outreach. Uh, kind of tell us where we're at as far as the vaccination, uh, excuse me, vaccination outreach and uh, efforts and, you know, just letting everybody know it's still out there. Yeah, vaccination rates in Rapid City among tribal citizens are still really, really low. You know, we're looking at somewhere between the 25 to 30 percent range. And while that number is it's definitely risen over the last few weeks it's nowhere near where we want to be and the problem with that is we're seeing kind of an unprecedented surge you know happening post rally in Pennington County right now you have look at the Monument Health Center, Monument um, Hospital in Rapid City you know their ICU beds are almost completely full um, if not full as we speak, they're trying to create more space, bring on new staffing, um, you know, and we kind of figured the surge would come post Sturgis, you know, a lot of unvaccinated people, a lot of people not wearing masks, a lot of people just doing things that you're not normally supposed to do. And, you know, I don't have any you know, statistical data on, on how it's hitting our community, but based off experience from going through it for the last 18 months, it seems like a whole lot of our people younger people are really sick really coming in for symptoms related to covid and you know it's kind of scary right now you know after seeing you know we didn't know what to expect last time we still really don't know what to expect but we do know that it's going to get a lot more serious um and a lot worse before it gets better again yeah and we all need to you know do our part and 
trying to keep the, the spread of this virus down, especially the Delta variant and other variants that are bound to come from this virus. As Nick Hill had pointed out, you know, it may not be the only one or the last one. So we need to do everything that we can. Um, if you haven't gotten your vaccine, you know, go to your local uh, health uh, facility and do that. If you're up in Rapid City, you can go to the Oyate Health Center on La Crosse Street for your vaccination or just contact your, your primary care provider. Um, what kind of um, outreach are, are we doing? I know we did the um, early August. We had the swim event with uh, Atiapi and Rural American Initiative. Where are we at right now as far as um, outreach to that youth of you know 12 to 17 years you know, that, the swim event that we held in conjunction and in partnership with Rural America Initiatives um, was the first of three events that we did to reach out to the public about vaccinations or, you know, to provide the newly acquired mobile clinic that OHC has um, and set up as a, I guess, a remote vaccination site. You know, so we had a swim event at Horace Mann Pool, um, free swimming. We gave out incentives lots of incentives for for kids who got vaccinated mainly in the form of week-long passes to the central states fair um, lots of t-shirts um, you know we linked with some some kids who were able to acquire some skateboards for a couple um, but yeah then again in you know a week ago we had we provided vaccinations during um, i am legacy's yearly backpack giveaway again targeting our youth 12 to 18 um, and then next week, you know, we will partner with Indian Collective to provide vaccinations at their backpack giveaway. You know, what's, what's neat about it is you have all these different tribal organizations, tribally run organizations in Pennington County and Rapid City working together to bring the, vac the vaccine available, provides, you know, PPE, um, backpacks, you know, the necessities that our kids need to go back into the school environment safely when we know that, you know, there's a lot of vaccine pushback in Rapid City, you know, there's a lot of kind of anti, I guess, I don't know, you know, what's the other way to say it? I mean, they're anti-vaxxers. Yeah, anti-science. It's anti-science. It's anti what it, it is what it is. Common sense, you know, and we see some crazy responses. We put up that, we put up the top 10 reasons, you know, from red charging, uh, Ray taking a live you know what were the top 10 excuses we had you know he had, he come up with a bunch of them but surprising you could jump down into that comment section on that post you want to see some crazy excuses for not getting a vaccination poor science you know wrong data um and the sad part is is that you know the resources to learn accurate truths about the vaccine to get you know accurate numbers they're all available you know we have our epi team going online with um, Vice President Musso mm -hmm. almost once a week. They go online with um, um, Dakota down at the tribal office once a week. Um, we've been putting out all kinds of print materials. You know, we're in the newspaper. We're trying to make our staff and, and their expertise as widely available as possible to as much of our population as possible. But for whatever reason, you know, there's an effort amongst some you know to just kind of be obstinate to be the alternate to be the outlier is saying you know whatever we say isn't true you know it's government the numbers are tweaked mm -hmm. or whatever it's just crazy you know it to me you know when you have youth 
in your community and your family and we're going back to school, you know, I want them to be able to have sports, you know, and that's kind of been my selling point to, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents is, Hey man, our kids want to play football. They want to have Al and I, they want to, they want to do all these things that are part of the normal high school experience the normal middle school experience, but without vaccination rates or, you know, with kids on a team um, whose parents won't let them get vaccinated you know, it puts them in a really rough spot just as far as staying safe and protecting our elderly, protecting our community who are vulnerable. Um, you know, I'd like to see it change, you know, but there's only so much beating of the drum. You know, we need community support. We need our community members to kind of, you know, nudge them, gently nudge them. You know, we need to get these vaccines if we want to have, you know, a regular school year, or at least a safe school year for our kids. Yeah, we all need to step up, like you said, and, and you know, it goes back to what I said with the interview with Nick. If we're willing to put our lives in the hands of, of a doctor for anything else, for a knee surgery, when we want to be, you know, at our peak performance as a baller or just, you know, in general for taking a medication that helps us get through the day. If we're going to trust them for that, let's trust them for this. Get vaccinated. Stop all this foolishness. You know, come on. I mean, it, the science is real. The science is there. It's safe. It's safe for pregnant mothers, as Amanda Hill has told us. There's no reason that we need, you know, aren't getting this done. Yeah, and, and you, when you think about it, you know, what I try to remind people is that the epidemiology team that we have here at the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board is not just any, you know, normal run-of-the-will epi team. These guys are superstars. Dr. Megan O'Connell um from the cdc foundation who was on loan to the health board before and now fully on board with us here she's one of the preeminent minds in this field um and then nick hill you know nick hill who who you know he's 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 proven you know he's been fighting every pandemic that we've seen in the last 20 years he's seen it all he's studied it all he knows how to crunch the numbers he knows how to articulate his points so when we come on with information from the health board, it isn't just coming on from me and Ray, you know, jump through the headlines, reading through Facebook, right. you know, providing statistics. We're backed by some of the brightest minds in all of Indian country who are putting their effort towards fighting this pandemic, pushing the vaccine, you know, working with tribal leaders, tribal organizations to establish policies that keep workers safe. Um, you know, it's really all hands on deck right now, especially, you know, I went up to the Oyate Health Center yesterday and I hadn't been up there, you know, I've been working remotely or, you know, I try to kind of stay out of those environments, you know, whether I add risk or, you know, I put myself at risk sometimes. And I had to go up there for um, some work-related issues. And, and uh, there was, it was just crawling with a lot of people showing COVID-like symptoms, a lot of people who were being tested, who were testing positive for COVID. And what's different about this time around is they're just sicker. You know, a lot of people are really sick. You know, that Delta variant, you know, it's hitting that younger population. You know, the ones who were safe the first time around, you know, this virus has found a place where it can settle amongst the population who are not vaccinated. Unfortunately, you know, it's a lot of our workers, not our workers, Yate, but a lot of members of our community who are doing work.
Yeah, so it's it, it's really a, a war that we're fighting when it comes to COVID-19. So we got to use, you know, every weapon at our disposal. And this vaccination is one of our, our best weapons out there. But we still need to get the word out there. And, and so kind of tell us how we're going about getting the word out as far as, you know, through social media and other endeavors. The health board tries to be kind of the leader in... You know, there's there's certain areas of, of health care where we have an opportunity to really excel. And as a communications director, um, as a team here between me, you, and Alicia Edwards, there's certain places where the health board can outperform kind of traditional health care providers. You know, whether it be Monument, whether it be IHS, whether it be Black Hill Surgery, like whoever. You know, there's certain limits on how they communicate with the community, how they communicate with the population. You know, a lot of what they do is strictly branding. It's not engaging the community. It's not finding unique ways to target the native population. The health board, you know, gives me and you and Alicia Edwards a lot of leeway to be good at what we do, you know, and might be a little kind of a humble brag right there, but what we're doing as far as outreach to the community is just better than what anyone else is doing. We've done comedy by tapping into um, Ray Taken Live, you know, AKA Rich Charging. You know, how do we use humor in our culture to get across public service announcements, health education topics, you know, how do we make it interesting? How do we make it engaging? Um, we've touched base, um, Mr. David Bulldog Mashad is about to release a video from the, in partnership with the health board, you know, promoting vaccinations. Um, we all know this part of the country, Bulldogs, one of our local heroes, you know, one of our powerful influencers out there, you know, making a good name for himself, good name for the community. So we asked Bulldog, you know, as an athlete, as a role model, you know, as a spokesperson for our community, you know, can you help us out? And, you know, Bulldog was like always, you know, Bulldog's always been there to step up for our community, always willing to represent, always trying to do things to, you know, to help all of us out. He's down to do that. So, all right. And one other thing, too, uh, that we have is the colorectal cancer and vaccination link. Tell us about that, Brandon. What, what is specifically what is that and how can we access it? The health board is, you know, as we've talked about before, it's made up of grant programs of the Oyate Health Center of the. Emergency, uh, we are more emergency operations center, the Great Plains Tribal Epidemiology Center. They're all kind of, you know, arms of what the health board is as a public health organization. And the colorectal cancer prevention and education program that we have here under um, Sean, um, I have my name is Sean, is their job is to educate the community about the dangers of colorectal cancer, the importance of getting screening. But they also, you know, they through their grant, they get money for public service announcements. They get um, public health messaging funds. And so they dedicated a significant budget to another online video, kind of a more corporate-driven commercial like that, you know, connects the dangers of COVID and having colorectal cancer or other types of cancer. And that effort to, pr to push the vaccine out there, of course, targets a certain population. Well, me and Ray are really focused on, you know, kind of targeting, you know, the Pine Ridge community, um, 
Rosebud, Eagle Butte, you know, the, the native population directly in Rapid City, you know, they're, they're more focused on that population who may be at risk of cancer. So, you know, they do advertising techniques to target them. And I think their video, you know, is already over 100,000 views, just like the Reg Charging video. So it's a multi-pronged approach. You know, we also work with Lakota Country Times to put public service announcements in there, stories, um, all kinds of really neat things, you know, it's and it's just a multi-pronged effort. You know, we, we want to get as much information out to as many people as we can. Sure. And again, if you're just joining us, this is The Circle brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. Once again, my name is Ray Rowland, uh, Community Engagement Coordinator, along with Brandon Ekafee, our Communications Director. Now, we're, we're talking a lot of uh, the updates, information coming straight from the Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. Uh, right now, vaccinations are being offered both at La Crosse and Oyate Health Center. Is that right, Brad? Yep. Uh, vaccinations are available at our 725 North La Crosse Street location. That's the home of the expanded um, Oyate Health Center Behavioral Health Services. So, you know, we have like 17 providers over there, support staff. But it also is where the uh, We Are Warriors Emergency Operations Center has found a home and they're providing um, limited testing. Um, you know, people walk in, they're not going to get turned away. But, you know, um, but they also do vaccinations. You know, they have patients come in and people train to give them vaccinations. So every time a community member engages with our pharmacy, with their primary care provider, urgent care, um, behavior health, they all get the opportunity to get the vaccine. And, you know, it's an effort, but we are seeing the numbers start to rise. Yeah. Now, um, with the vaccines, when they go to La Crosse or Oyate Health Center, uh, for those folks that may not want to go inside, are they able to go have them go to the car to do the testing or do the vi vaccine, vice versa? At the moment, they want people to come into the facility, but there is um, a coming push to, um, or I guess, you know, some plans in the works to set up our mobile unit outside of the Oyate Health Center and then also to reopen a, a wing of the facility to you know kind of direct covid patients to that certain part of the facility you know it's important to do that so we don't risking cross-contamination but you know with the numbers on the rise you know there's going to be a lot of you know new things that everyone's going to need to take on whether it be monument us you know any basically any healthcare facility it's coming again right yeah so if you're out there and, and you're up in rapid city and you want to get a test or a vaccine uh contact oyate health center at 355-2500 schedule your appointment anytime with them um so a lot of, of, of big news again coming out of the annual or uh, excuse me the monthly board meeting so kind of give us a, another rundown what else kind of came out of that meeting as far as uh you know updates and yeah. So you know, before might. I go into what well, the updates that were provided, I think it's important that the community understands what the mini Luzaha we chose on the advisory committee is. Um, the advisory committee provides an opportunity for tribally elected officials. Um, you know, right now it's um, Ryan Jumping Eagle, um, um, Councilwoman Spotted Bear, um, Councilman. Tyler Yellowboy, um, Ryman LeBeau, Bernita in the woods are the elected officials who sit on this committee. They are joined by community members, um, Amy Sazu, Bree Jackson, um, 
Eric Bringswhite, um, Mr. Um, James Boyd, um, Richard Boyd, sorry about that, Mr. Richard Boyd um, on there. And they meet monthly with administration from the Oyate Health Center. The community members are, their goal is to be a bridge between the community and the Oyate Health Center and also provide an opportunity to just engage with tribal leaders on the direction of the Oyate Health Center because as we all know, the effort to bring the Oyate Health Center, the, the decision to 638 it to you know, reacquire funds from the federal government for our own people to do, decide how to distribute it was driven by the community. The decision 638, the SUSAN, um, I guess the Rapid City Service Unit was community driven and so providing the community with a voice on the direction of the facility, um, on the day-to-day -day operations, and also allowing members of the Rapid City community to build relationships with their tribal leaders is the goal of that committee. And so when that committee meets once a month, they're, they pro they're provided with information from every wing of the Oyate House Center whether that be, um, you know, how, how care is being improved, um, the numbers of people, patients who go through urgent care, uh, monthly budget, um, new hires, basically anything that's happening at the Oyate Health Center, that information is provided to this committee, you know, and our tribal leaders who sit on there, you know, their role is to provide input, but also to take what they learn at these meetings and communicate it to, you know, for example, the Health and Human Services Committee or the Tribal Council at, you know, Rosebud, Pine Ridge, Eagle Butte, you know, so there's a constant flow of information from our organization, not only to the community, but to tribal leaders who ultimately, you know, you know, they provide governance, you know, the health board provides management of the facility of the day-to-day -day operations, but tribal councils and tribal governments are the governance side of it, you know, who help advocate for us, who help provide, you know, wisdom and direction, you know, and so in this month's report, this was some big news that come out of it. In the month of July, the Yate House Center made more than $1 million in revenue. It was the fourth straight month that the Yate House Center's revenue has exceeded the predetermined monthly goal. Mm -hmm. So with 86% of the year fiscal year completed, the Oyate House Center is 91% of its way to achieving its goal of generating $7 million in revenue for this fiscal year. Now for the average person like me, I'm gonna hear that number and be like, well, what are you doing with this money? So kind of tell us where this money comes into play and why it matters. Sure. You know, when that's, he provides, you know, you need a little more background about how the health boards work and how the contract is set up to understand that. So the health board itself has the management contract of the Oyate House Center, you know, and the Oyate House Center itself is what was formerly the Rapid City Service Unit. Through the 638 contract and the terms of that agreement and that and basically you know essentially federal law dictates how that revenue can be spent 
So, you know, they'll have people say, oh, they made all these millions of dollars. They're just going to pay their travel or, you know, they're going to pad their salaries, whatever. You know, you know how you know how rumors yeah. are in Indian country. That's how it goes sometimes. That can't happen with this funds, with these funds. When you generate revenue at a facility like the Oyate Health Center, it's under the same federal regulations as if it was an Indian Health Service facility still. Now, I don't know if Indian Health Service would generate that money like, like Oyate did. Mm-hmm. No, just this kind of another humble brag. But that funding has to be reinvested back into the facility itself. You know, you, you get my drift. Right. You know, we can't we can't be like we made seven million dollars. We're gonna oh, let's provide bonuses, communications mm-hmm. team. Let's provide bonuses. Let's up salaries over on the health board side. We can't do that. You know, so any rumors out there saying that that's what's happening? You know, they're just not true. You know, hear it from the source. I've studied. I looked at it. I've inquired from our attorneys. You know what can and can't be done with this. So when I hear questions, whether it be from council or community members about that money. You know, there are limitations on what it can be, how it can be spent, which is right. good, though. That's really good. That's a protection. That's a protection that the community has is that federal law dictates how that money can be spent. We don't want it. You know, had it been a, another organization, you know, not as fiscally responsible as the health board, you know, maybe it would get spent on the wrong things or something could happen or right. someone could get in trouble with the law. But... We, might, we know our P's and Q's, you know, we're on top of our game here, we're on top of federal regulations, and we know that that money can only be spent on improving services at the Oyate Health Center. It can only be spent on reinvesting in services, and that's what we're looking to do now, you know. How do we fix systems? How do we generate more revenue? You know, and that reinvestment is already happening. Right, so talk about the, the expansion of both you know our facility and our our user population there and how these funds are going to help that so generating revenue at a healthcare facility that's on a limited federal budget is a difficult task that takes a lot of know-how that takes a lot of expertise that takes a lot of guidance from people who know what they're doing and fortunately at the Oyate Health Center we have that in place one of the main kind of measures of our success and our measures of buy-in from the community has been the number of patients who are officially users at the facility, people who have open charts, people who come there for care. And since the start of this facility, we have seen those numbers consistently grow. The numbers are going up and up and up and up. And you know, by the time this show airs, we're looking at having probably over 23,000 active users of the facility. And so that, that tells us a, a, a lot. It tells us a whole lot by the number of people who come through our doors up there. It tells us that people are choosing to come there because the care is better. You know, they have the opportunity. They could go to the yeah. IHS on the second floor. That second floor IHS is there. They have to see anybody. Same with us you know any tribally enrolled citizen comes through our doors we have to see them we want to see them you know we want them to come through our doors so that means that people are choosing to come to our facility because they get better you know they might get better care they might get better customer service um, they might just feel more comfortable but there's other things that that tells you one of the great limitations that is on the Oyate Health Center right now is space 
you know, we don't have a whole lot of space until, until the new facility goes up to really expand populations, the, popula the user population. So when you have existing space and you have an increasing number of patients coming through the door, you either have, there's two things that are going to happen. Either you're going to see wait times go completely through the roof, you know, because all the people are packing themselves in the doors. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're there for appointments. They're there for urgent care. They're waiting for five, six, seven hours. You know, we've heard that before. That ain't happening yeah. at the Oyate Health Center. That isn't happening. Our wait times are significantly shorter than Monument. They're shorter than um, second floor IHS. They're, second, they're shorter than what me and you have experienced growing up. And what that means is if we can have user population coming up without space being expanded, it means that the care itself, the providers, the nurses, the people signing patients up at the door, security, everybody's more efficient at what they do. Right. They're better at what they do. The short, the wait times are less, you know, the efficiency of getting signed in, of seeing your nurse, getting checked out, seeing your provider, going to pharmacy and out the door is through the roof right now. You know, and that was one of the main complaints about, you know, IHS for years and years in Rapid City was that you couldn't get appointments, you couldn't get wait time. You, you know, when you went up there, you walked through the door, you were in for a whole day's wait and that isn't happening there. We're able to handle the increased patient load very well and so that opens the door for all kinds of other opportunities to generate revenue so people who come in the door at the Ayate health center you know we want them to get signed up for medicare medicaid we want them to sign up for they have private insurance we want to get their private insurance on board you know we want to find all these different revenue generating third-party options to help pay their bill and, you know, a big, huge segment of our population are eligible for Medicare, Medicaid. Um, you know, our staff use the facility. They, they have private insurance. And so when those numbers go up to where we have patients who we can bill Medicare, Medicaid for, who we can bill their private insurance for, the revenue starts to tick upwards. And as the revenue ticks upwards, we start to find ways to expand services so you know whether that be you know to hire a podiatrist you know to address our um you know people with diabetes who have those types of issues you know there's a huge population so if we hire a podiatrist we're able to provide services on site there to build medicare medicaid instead of sending them out for a referral because anytime we send someone out from our facility to a referral it taps into prc you know, if they don't have Medicare, Medicaid, or they don't have um, private insurance, we refer them out. It taps into a limited PRC budget. Again, that's purchase referred care. Anytime someone gets referred out of IHS facility or out of our facility, it taps into that set amount of money that's distributed by the federal government um, deter as determined by Congress. And so the goal is to keep that PRC budget as high as possible, keep them funds as high as possible so that when there are people who come in and we, they can't, we can't provide direct on-site services, that there's money to pay for their bill. And so expanding services, you know, whether having podiatry, um, expanding women's health with um, the hiring of Mandy Hill, um, or, you know, just even, you know, hiring more nurses to help with the efficiency of the building, all that generates revenue. 
more patients coming through, the more patients getting service, the more providers we hire, the more, you know, everything we do is to grow a bigger, more efficient, healthier healthcare system. And that's happening as our numbers go up. And right now, you know, the only limiting factor that we have is space. But with the brand new facility going up right next door, that's going to be three times as large as the current um, building that we operate there on the Susan campus. The sky's really the limit. This is a successful health program. This is becoming an even better program than we all could have ever imagined. And that's directly, you know, you can look directly at the two numbers, the revenue generation, where we're going to make $7 million this year, and the user population that's going to exceed 23,000, almost, you know, more than doubling what it was when we first opened our doors. And this was despite, you know, a lot of roadblocks that were put in our place by Indian Health Service, um, by lawsuits that we had to navigate. You know, we had a, we faced the same lawsuit multiple times in tribal, state, federal court. And we we're telling, you know, our community members are telling tribal leaders, there's no merit to this. There's nothing here. You know, this is a addressing this isn't an efficient use of our resources as, and time. But, you know, we jumped over that hoop, you know. We didn't have access to patient charts online for a long time um, as a direct result of Indian Health Service's decisions, certain policy decisions. We had to navigate that. We improved that, you know, and so creating a healthcare system despite hurdles that's driven by the people, for the people, under the governance of tribal governments is really something that's hard to do, but the Oyate Health Center is proving that it can be done. And, you know, the Oglaw Sioux Tribal Council, the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribal Council should really be given credit for their willingness to step up and say, look, we're tired of being under the thumb of the federal government. We're tired of people, of bureaucrats in area office or bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. telling us how to provide care, putting limitations on what we can do and saying, look, we know there's a trusted tribal organization up there that's proven you know, let's work together as a people, as a united people to improve care for the community. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're winning. We're creating an efficient facility, an efficient healthcare model that has really no limit on what it can become. Yeah, it's exciting stuff as, as far as where we're going and in, in being able to provide these services to our people. And it is, it's, it's night and day from going, you know, I moved up in Rapid City 2006. I cut my hand open I sat there nine hours again this is you know 15 years ago night and day from the time uh, a couple weeks ago I sent my brother-in-law and he just had nothing but good you know things to say as far as the the wait time the customer service the cleanliness of the place you know there's there's lots of and I'm biased I am but again if you if you lived up here during that time and you seen the type of service that we were getting, it's night and day. It just is. And right now, uh, I want, one thing I want you to talk more about a lot of people don't know, again, is the tribal sponsorship program. Um, again, this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is where you are getting us insurance. And I say us as the people, you are purchasing insurance for people to be able to use wherever they might be able to, are needed at, right? Sure. The tribal sponsorship program is a way of preserving PRC dollars while providing a safe healthcare umbrella for at-risk patients. 
So one of the the biggest the biggest kind of criticism that any IHS facility or you know tribally run clinic like ourselves get is related to purchase referred care. You know, people get sent out um, on a referral, you know, they get a bill back and, you know, sometimes occasionally, you know, that funding ran out, you know, it's not as much of an issue with us as it has been with um, other entities in the past. But the challenge is, is fixing that system or finding mechanisms to create a, a system that, that doesn't allow for any patient's bill to go unpaid to where it affects their credit or whatever, you know, and we had a, a full podcast on this with with Nico Shepard a, a couple weeks ago talking about the ins and outs of PRC and I suggest anyone who wants um, really detailed conversation on PRC to look at that but the tribal sponsorship program helps to preserve those PRC dollars and the way that it works you know early on we, we took a lot of criticism a lot of public beating over PRC bills and and we so we said okay well let's look we're saying we can be better, we're saying we can be more efficient, we're saying we can fix systems that IHS neglected for decades. And so we looked at what patient population or what segment of our patient population is using the most PRC dollars. And at the time, you know, it was, you know, young women who, who were pregnant who needed to be referred out for care. You know, they'd come in, you know, the, the services weren't available, we'd refer them out to an OBGYN or, you know, some type of service like that. And the PRC dollars would pay for them if they didn't have insurance or they didn't have Medicare, Medicaid, whatever. And so that money from PRC was getting tapped and tapped and tapped and tapped and knocked down. And so we said, look, this segment of our community uses the re these resources most, uses PRC resources the most. How do we stop that, you know, while still making sure that they have care? And the obvious you know, most most cost efficient way is to buy them private insurance. And so the Oyate Health Center began purchasing insurance for segments of this population. And the numbers that came back from the mini Luzaha report show that the health board not only saved, you know, like 150,000 or so in PRC dollars, but they also generated revenue because you know if one of these patients need to use our lab or they need to you know or they have private insurance and they see our doctor we bill their private insurance right there on site so the facility itself is preserving prc for people who might need it and might have a catastrophic unplanned accident or something and at the same time generating revenue so we can hire more doctors more nurses more staff to allow more patients to come through the door. And we're expanding this program. You know, we wanna look at, you know, what other parts of our population need to be referred out for care all the time. Let's buy them insurance. It's cheaper to buy them insurance than to pay the outrageous over the top medical fees that some of these providers that we refer out to charge. So if we can do that for more and more of our people, you can see how it's gonna generate revenue to hire more people to allow us to see more, but also to preserve PRC dollars so more people can get their bills paid, more people who don't have insurance don't have to fear, you know, going into debt or going into collections over an unpaid medical bill. 
Right. And again, if you're joining us again, this is the Circle, uh, the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board updates, uh, news and information coming from not only the health board, but our monthly mini Luzaha uh, advisory committee board. Um, so right now, kind of we've been talking um, about how we are able to generate the revenue that we are to save money for PRC. So let's segue into PRC because we did a whole show again with PRC. Uh, which is purchase referred care. Uh, again, kind of give us an, a, an overview of what that is, how it works, and, and how it's so important to preserve those funds. Sure, purchase referred care. You know, it's always the most debated, most talked about topic in front of council, in these public forums, in our community meetings. What purchase referred care is, it's a predetermined, allocated set of funding that comes from Congress to the service unit. That funding is spent on health care bills of tribal citizens who get referred out for care that can't be provided on site. So, um, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. Say, you know, you have a dermatology issue, mm-hmm. you know, and it can't, we don't have a dermatology department at the Oyate Health Center, you know, a skin issue, you know, maybe like a potential, like a mole or something, you know, thinks it needs maybe cancer, you need to send it out to a a specialist. When that individual gets sent out to a specialist off-site, the bill from that goes to is the responsibility of PRC if they don't have Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. Right. And so you know we see a lot of, and that's the important part of expanding services at the facilities because if we can provide them on-site, we don't tap into the PRC budget. And when it's on-site, it's called direct care. Any tribal member, any tribal citizen can come to the Oyate House Center and get direct care services without being charged out of pocket. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, you know, there was a, for a long time, you know, they're like, oh, Rosebud community members can't go there. Rosebud tribal citizens can't go there. Not true. You right. look at our, you look at our user population, you know, about 12% of our user population come from Rosebud, you know, 12% are so from Cheyenne River, 20 some percent of other tribes not from the area and about 55 60 percent come from ost you know shout out to our fellow olala that are using mm-hmm. the facility and are obviously happy about it but again so that prc budget is spent on services that are referred off-site care that ain't covered by medicare medicaid or insurance and that budget is limited that budget can only be spent on certain things it's under all kinds of bureaucratic red tape on how it's used so what tribal organizations or tribal healthcare facilities like ourselves have to do is figure out ways to preserve that. You know, the tribal sponsorship is one thing that we're doing, but also one thing that's really, really, really neat is how we are using a grant program that's under the health board, that's under the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board to work with the Oyate Health Center to preserve PRC. So the program itself is called Honor Every Woman, and it was pursued by um, the health board. What this grant does is it pays for certain, um, I guess, um, medical issues that that women encounter, that specifically women encounter. Mm -hmm. And so if the Oyate Health Center refers a patient out for some kind of women's health service, they can 
Instead of tapping into PRC, the grant funding that was acquired under the Health Board supplements it and pays for it. So PRC doesn't get tapped. Right. This couldn't be done under an IHS system. This can only be done under a 638 system, which the Oyate Health Center is. You can use grant funding to supplement PRC. And this initial trial, you know, grant, you know, our, you know, initial first time, you know, pairing between Oyate Health Center providers and the Health Board um, grant awardees is saving PRC dollars immensely. Because like I said before, you know, when we looked at the whole study of who's using PRC the most, it was always, you know, young pregnant mothers or, you know, people who need to see OBGYN or whatever. So not only are we sponsoring those patients under the tribal sponsorship program, but when they get referred out, we're supplementing that bill with grant funding. So PRC gets preserved. And once we notice that this is working, the obvious next step is to expand our services to where we could provide direct care to this population on site up there. So you have the tribal sponsorship program, you have the supplemental grant funding from the, from the health board grant, and now we're providing direct care, women's services at the Oyate Health Center under um, Mandy Hill. And, you know, there was a little bit of confusion at first, you know, because um, Native Women's Health um, occupy, um, shares the campus with us up there. They have a trailer, do a great job of what they do. Um, but, you know, like many healthcare programs, they're not getting the funding that they should be getting to adequately operate and do everything that they need to do. And so we looked together, you know, we worked with them, you know, well, how can we work together to save PRC dollars? How can we work together to serve more women and more native women who need healthcare without putting them in the, you know, in the hole with money or, and so native women's health sees a certain number of patients, you know, and they, they reach a capacity, you know, like many healthcare orgs, you know, space is limited. Um, providers are limited, funding's limited. And so with them operating at full capacity and seeing everyone as they can, there's still a huge number of women out there who can't get appointments or, you know, or can't have their healthcare needs met. And that population is the ones who are tapping PRC dollars. So the Oyate Health Center looks at it, how do we fix this system? How do we save PRC dollars? Well, let's provide direct care women's services on our campus, in our building, not in competition with Native Women's Health, but in agreement that we all wanna expand services and work together as tribal organizations, as tribal 638, native women-led organizations to improve care. And what we're seeing is, you know, more people getting served, PRC getting saved, and, you know, just an overall improvement in access to care. You know, people who need an appointment, they get to get it now. You know, they're not waiting for months. You know, how long can you really wait if you're pregnant to see a doctor? You know, you call somewhere and it's filled up on appointments and ain't, ain't, ain't the fault of, Native Women's Health, you know, if they're at their capacity, ain't the fault of their providers who are limited on space, just like we are. So how do we fix it? Well, let's expand our services. Let's use some of our revenue to expand services. And that's the whole point of saying, look, we're gonna make $7 million. There's only certain things we can do with this money, okay? So let's use this money to reinvest, to make a smart business decision, to save PRC dollars while expanding services 
and improving the overall care of our community. And I can't stress this enough that what we're doing up there can't be done under old school IHS models, not the fault of employees at all. You know, I always say that, you know, we're not blaming IHS employees, we're, we're blaming a system. You know, and, and when we 638 these facilities, are what, especially at the Oyate Health Center, we open up a world of possibilities for improvement. And it's taken us, you know, a couple years to start to really gain traction and really start to take off. You know, most, most times, you know, you look at the transition period of a 638 healthcare facility and they look at that as 10 years. You know, it takes 10 years to start to do some of these things. You look at IHS, how many decades did they go with just allowing systems to be just the way they are, the status quo? Mm -hmm. We don't want to be the status quo. We want to be innovative. We want to improve things, and we want to do it quickly. And despite a global pandemic, despite everything we faced from COVID, you know, all those challenges, legal challenges, uh, sometimes just smear tactics, whatever, we overcame all that stuff to prove that a tribally run facility operated by tribal members, staffed by tribal members, governed by tribal governments could do it so much better. In only two and a half years so far, not even two, a full two and a half years. With limited space, with limited budgets. Now, if you look, start to look at the future of what the Oyate Health Center can really become, imagine if we had three times the space. How many more people will come through our doors how many more providers are going to want to come work under uh, a very, very beneficial benefits package, you know, a, a healthy work environment? We're not no longer looking up to Monument as, hey, you know, our Vera, our whoever else out there as the standard. You know, they're not the standard. Tribally led organizations are going to become the standard very soon to where we're stealing their best providers. Their best providers want to come work for us. We want to do things bigger, better, more efficient to help the community improve their overall health. And that's what's happening. And that's what's exciting. And so despite everything we've been through, it's going to get better and better and better. Yeah, there are truly brighter days ahead. And no matter where you're at on the aisle with the health board or IHS, you know, our goals are the same to provide adequate and efficient care to our people so that our people may live. And that's not just a, you know, a shameless plug of our motto. That is, that is our goal as indigenous people is to be sovereign, is to govern ourselves, is to take care of ourselves. So these are just steps along the path to that. This is tribal sovereignty in action. This is tribal self-governance. This is community-led change. You know, and it, and that's hard sometimes, you know, it's hard to do, but we're doing it. You know, Oyate House Center is going to become the standard of care in all of Indian country, in all the Midwest. And, you know, once we get into that new building and can expand to specialty clinics and stuff like that, what we do is, you know, the obvious thing is, you know, instead of referring our people out to, you know, you go to Pine Ridge, you need to be referred out, you know, and all the time, you know, you're out to surgical center or, you know, whoever they refer them out to, they could refer them out to the new Oyate Health Center. And so those Medicare, Medicaid dollars, the private insurance, um, all that stuff stays within our own tribal economy. It stays within hiring our own people. You know, it goes to community health, education, 
material that was created and funded by our own people. And that's the goal. You know, that's the goal. How do we become a self-sustaining, tribally-led organization that we can all benefit from? But, you know, the path is clear. The path is set. We're on it. We're moving forward. And again, you know, $7 million during a global pandemic in revenue, doubling your patient population count. You know, complaints are really, really, really low, despite us making them easily available to file. You know, the future's bright. Yeah, and again, this has been the circle uh, from Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. Uh, anything in closing that you want to leave uh, the people with before we sign off? Yeah, I think just look out, keep an eye out for that new Bulldog Mashad video coming out. You know, a lot of people want to hear updates from Mr. Mashad. Um, get vaccinated. You know, reach out to your people who ain't vaccinated. We want to have. Sports. I want to have Al and I. Like I said this on almost every yeah. show. I want to sit down, give myself a pretzel and a soda, and watch some basketball. And if we want to do that, we got to get vaccinated. I want to go to the Black Hills powwow in the new facility. You know, um, I call it the Paha Sapa Arena. They could call it the Monument if they want. That's just me. But yeah, I want to. I want to be able to do those things too. So again, if you are in need of a vaccine or want to get your children vaccinated or you have relatives that live within your home that aren't native and want to get vaccinated, come see us. Uh, go to uh, 725 North La Crosse Street in Rapid City, or you can contact Oyate Health Center at 355-2500. Again, at 605-355-2500. We'll be on uh, next week as well. So if anybody has any questions, concerns that they want answered it addressed on the show get a hold of us here at 721-1922 uh you can email me at raylan.roland at gptchb.org again this has been the circle for the great plains tribal leaders health board for brandon ekafee and the oyate health center this has been the circle live on keely radio the voice of the lakota nation COVID-19 vaccines are currently available across the Great Plains area. These vaccines are safe and effective tools for stopping the spread of COVID-19. The vaccines work by giving our immune systems instructions for how to fight off infections. They do not contain the virus that causes COVID-19. Short-term side effects like soreness at the injection site, fever, headache, muscle pain, or fatigue are common after receiving the vaccine. Millions of people around the world, including thousands of native health workers and elders, have been vaccinated safely. Vaccines are the safest way to protect our relatives during this ongoing pandemic. The more people get the vaccine, the more lives we can save in our communities. Call your health care provider or tribal health department to learn more about when and where you can receive your vaccine. Or go to gptchb.org for more information. This message was brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board so that the people may live.